We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You asked us 21 questions. Most of them are about the Chiefs. What's up, everybody? This is Ken Swanson with my fellow pals, Maddie Lane, Craig Stout, BJ Kissel. We are answering your questions from the KCSN Discord channel. This is our usually subscriber-only podcast, but we decided to release this one today for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into your questions. I think you know, with the short week, we just figured we'd get some of this sweet, sweet content out. And uh, he helped me do it. My dear pals, first find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. Hello, my friend. Were you going for some Southern twang on that one, or did that just did that just come out like that? It's it's late. I don't know. You just gonna I, yeah, I, I think we gotta we gotta retire that uh, that Passover. I don't think we can do that one again. I think there's some people around here that'll get mad about that. So we're just gonna move on to Craig, buddy. How you doing? I know you've had a had a long week. So how are you? Yeah, I woke up this morning without much of a voice. So anybody who's got to complain about that, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but. I did notice as Kent was leading us into this show, you guys, we we kind of dressed up as the primary colors of KCSN each individually here. This is <laughs> uh, pretty, I, I think we did that on purpose. And in order to satisfy our fearless leader here, BJ, who also has joined us, BJ, how are we doing, bud? I'm doing great. It's been a great 48 hours or so for KCSN and Chiefs Kingdom and uh everybody it just seems like it's been a lot of good stuff going on yeah happy holidays right uh okay well let's just jump into these questions and this is a perfect it is great grayson jasper has asked what is blue wire which is one of the reasons the last 48 hours has been really good for us bj why don't you tell everybody what's going on with blue wire uh and uh answer grayson's question yeah no Thank you, Grayson. It's a great question. We're <laughs> tweeting about it today. Um, and nobody from a user experience, not going to change a whole lot. But for us, from a business perspective, you know, Blue Wire Podcast, it's a network um, kind of gobbling up podcast networks and things like what we're doing with KC Sports Network from all over the country. Uh, it's no different than what we saw with a lot of blog companies, you know, 15 years ago, going around and buying up a bunch of blogs. And now that, you know, less people are reading and more people are going to new mediums and podcasting is the number one medium out there right now, as far as consuming content, um, these companies are coming up and blue wire is a fantastic company They're They've got the, they built a uh, new studio inside the wind casino. Uh, Chris Carter has got a show. Max Crosby has got a show with them. They've got a lot of big name people uh, that on a national perspective that 
that fans would know and they want and they wanted you know kansas city feel they wanted kansas city podcast and they saw what we were doing and they wanted to license our audio uh and give us you know some new resources and a new reach and new people uh to kind of you know talk to and reach as their network grows and it's a phenomenal opportunity for us both uh to grow together uh in this new space and it opens up new revenue new revenue streams and new cool things for us that uh weren't necessarily there before so it's uh it's a win-win for everybody um people listening you know to apple spotify wherever you listen to podcasts you'll hear some national you know audio reads and you'll see some see us doing some stuff in vegas and around that'll be a little bit different really cool opportunities for us but overall not a lot not a lot's going to change uh, in that regard, but a lot of cool stuff we'll be able to do because of this. All right. Casey from KC asks, are the Chiefs winning the one seed by two clear games? Maybe I should have asked Craig this one because Craig's like all he's the one that's like the Chiefs are just going to be able to sit out week 18. Uh, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're very much in on the Chiefs hashtag running the table. But like there is an outside chance that like like Craig kind of mentioned, like they, they might be they might be in the clear by in the week week 18 so i don't really think there's a chance that they win by two clear games because they might be resting as craig kind of was looking at early uh mike denny asks at this point in their careers would you feel better about veach's drafting if the spots where clyde edwards alaire and nick bolton were flipped and there's kind of a similar question so i just i bunched them together uh nick asks who was our best player in regulation against the chargers and why was it nick bolton Kit, why are you, why do you set me up to answer this question? Like, because be the bad guy here. Now you're making it be me. Well, I just get I get pegged as the Bolton hater. Okay. So, you okay. Know. Um, if you flip their draft slots, would I feel better about Dr- Brett Veach's drafting strategy? Not really. I think both guys kind of struggle in specific areas of the game, and I just think that the defensive coaching staff has done a lot better job of using Nick Bolton to his strengths than the Chiefs' offense has to Clyde Edwards' strengths. So if that continues throughout their career, yeah, maybe by the end of their rookie contract, you can say that Bolton was easier to integrate into this current Chiefs team so the value looks better. But at the end of the day, I think – Clyde's ability to run in the Chiefs system, like his vision, the way he paces his runs, doesn't mesh really well with what a first-round pick should produce. I don't think Nick Bolton is the coverage player that you would ever want to see out of a second-round linebacker. And as far as being the best player in regulation, Bolton was great. Bolton had a lot of huge dynamic plays that helped the Chiefs for sure. I think Mike Hughes was pro- would probably get the nod for me for the best defensive player during regulation because I think Nick Bolton was still a guy that the Chargers set out to attack all game long in coverage and in the run game, and it showed up. He made big plays, but he was also a reason the Chargers drove down the field. I think Mike Hughes made just as many big plays without kind of being the focal point they tried to attack during the game. All right, Pastor Jackson asks, we all know how bad the defense was and how good it is now. But historically, how often have we seen a team's defense make this big of big of a 180? And are there any recent examples you can think of where a team's defense makes this massive of a swing? I mean, not not recently. Like it, you have to go back a little ways. I think the one that everybody jumps to is the 2006 Colts defense and Bob Sanders late in the year, and then all of a sudden that run defense as unfortunately us Chiefs fans are all too aware of <laughs> all just got elite in the playoffs. You know, so it takes a, a specific type of culture and coaching staff to be able to fix that. It's not just health. It's not just, you know, 
moving this guy in for this guy. I mean, that stuff does help, but it has been a specific targeted thing by this coaching staff, by these leaders on the side of the ball and, you know, making sure that everybody's on the same page, everybody's communicating well, and everybody's raising their game. You're seeing guys that are playing a lot more free in the system, not thinking as much. That is a testament to what they're doing inside the building between Sundays, basically. So it's hard to do that during the season. Mike DeVito talks about it all the time. It is ridiculously hard to improve the defense as the season goes along. In fact, it typically goes the other way, just as offenses get better, figure stuff out, unleash some more of their plays. So no, you don't see a turnaround like this. You just don't. So it's awesome to see it for the Chiefs this season. All right, we got Nilly Skill asking, who would be your next pick for the Chiefs Ring of Honor, BJ? Oh, wow. Um Man, I know that they've gone through a lot of the guys from the the two thousand, like the Trent Green era, without having Trent Green yet be that guy. So my my vote would be for Trent Green as somebody that is going to get in there at some point that hasn't quite got in there yet. Tony's gone on, uh, Priest Holmes has got in there, Brian Waters in there, obviously Will Shields and those guys. Um, and Trent Green still lives in the area. He, I think most Chiefs fans would assume that he's already in. Uh, so. <laughs> You need to get through. I know they tried over the years, try to get through some of those uh, guys from the eighties uh, and not forget about those guys and not just kind of mm-hmm. go all in with the offense from that era, but Trent green deserves it. And it's only a matter of time. So I can see it being uh, sometime this year, the next couple of years. I was stunned when you said that he wasn't. So I was one of those guys. I had no clue. <laughs> I just assumed like that just, you know, that one made too much sense to me. Uh, Grayson Jaspers asks, do you think teams may steer away a bit more from going for it on fourth down after the Chargers game? I don't really know if the Chargers game has anything to do with teams belief in whether or not they're going to go forward on fourth down. Like I think they're, you know, every team kind of looks at in, looks at it from their perspective, from their, um, you know, um, you know, in, in their vacuum, if you will, like, you know, I, teams have identities. You saw the Ravens today trying to be aggressive, trying to go for too late in the game. Like that's part of their identity. Um, and that's always been, that's our, that's our identity, whether or not Lamar's playing or not. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe they do things a little bit different, but I, I'm not sure. Um, I think Brennan Staley kind of came back and said like that he doesn't regret it. He's going to continue to you know pull, you know, pull the trigger and, and go forward on fourth down the same way that he always has. He's going to stick to his identity. So I think each individual team kind of, has their own, you know, identity approach, and they're just kind of staying within their own lane and operating the way that they believe. I don't think what happened, even though the results weren't good, I don't think that's changing anybody's opinion on whether or not they're going to be going for it moving forward. Uh, by, Zuri- by the way, by the way, Chiefs have faced the most most fourth down attempts in the league on defense this year. Teams want to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. That's not remotely surprising. I mean, it just it kind of feels like I, like I think that was the thing last year we talked about is like teams played differently like the chiefs just mm-hmm. stepping onto the field changed how the game was played and they dictated how the game was played a little bit and if they get back to that a little bit more they're going to be terrifying azuri gunner asks now a little more than three quarters of the way through the season how would you regrade the chiefs draft class this year maddie it has to be considered pretty good you've been you're looking at it 
the offensive rookie of the year running with Creed Humphrey coming out of the second round. Nick Bolton is clearly here. Had some really good games, and yeah, he's gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit behind Anthony Hitchens and Willie Gay when they're both healthy, but he's been good on the field as well. You get the steal of the draft with Trey Smith. Like I mean, this draft class is producing, and it's been producing since week one, so at this point in time, to say this thing has been anything short of an A+, plus, I, mean, I just feel like would be objectively incorrect. Yeah, they. I yeah, you gotta you gotta give it a high grade. Like they they needed this kind of draft class too. Sneakily, like I think we've kind of realized that over the course of the season, they really needed something like this. I think All if right. your one complaint could be about Orlando Brown, like he hasn't been first round pick kind of worthy of an offensive tackle, but the Chiefs got that second round pick back, and like the the value seems about what you would expect. Like when you look at the overall value of what they traded for Orlando Brown, that seems to even out. So if you just don't consider that as him being a first round pick or like trading a first round pick for him. I do think that yeah, it ends up being pretty well. That's the only place and then you can even attempt to poke a hole. All right. Steve Gray asks, why do the Chargers and Broncos have slightly below average defenses? According to DVOA, they have loads of talent, highly respected coaches and the league seems to be copying their scheme. And yet it doesn't seem to be producing real results. I know at least from the Broncos' perspective, <laughs> they are uh, they're struggling a little bit with some injuries they did at the beginning of the year. They were really testing their cornerback depth. And there for a little while, you were looking at it and going, yeah, when those guys get back, they're going to have to figure out a way to keep people or cut people or whatever. They also struggle with a pass rush, especially since they've moved on from Vaughn Miller. That's been a problem for them and then on the offensive side of the ball they're not getting any favors done to them by that offense from the chargers perspective this is something that's kind of eerie to watch now the chargers linebackers are not particularly good but their pass rush on paper should be more than enough their secondary has a lot of guys in it that are quality players as well derwin james has been healthy for a fair amount of the season that's typically where they tend to fall apart there and where they fell apart against the chiefs Travis, the splits with him on and off the field were just staggering. So I do think that there's a little bit of not adapting to the scheme fully in year one of Brendan Staley and getting all of that stuff in there. I think they're going to be better in the future. I think you're going to see that DVOA climb as he gets his guys in there, gets more of, you know, the situational pieces that he wants on the defense, I think that's going to change that Chargers defense for the better. And uh, unfortunately, he's a really good coach. He's going to be around in the AFC West for a while. Yeah, I'm a big Brandon Staley fan. Uh, I mean, DSM, DSM Derek asks, do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, BJ? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else? The correct no logic. Just waiting for a Chiefs question at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you you got Chiefs questions? Like every single one of these has been Chiefs questions, haven't they? Oh, you got the blue one. Just making a joke. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Everybody's dug into those answers, so it doesn't matter what I say. Everybody's opinion is set on whatever that is. I considered it a Christmas movie. I'm actually going to be watching it later tonight. Mm. Oh, nice. Saxon Minarax is Urban Meyer the worst head coach tenure of all time in the NFL. Like, I think he has to be, right? Like, I think some people have been saying Bobby Petrino, but like, oh, this is just, this has been disastrous in every way, shape, or form. I don't know. Like, there's not one redeeming thing about it. Everyone knew it wasn't going to end well. Everyone knew it wasn't going to go well. 
And then he just proceeded to continue to remind everybody for the last six months that it wasn't going to go well. Like from the head co- or from the strength coach to whatever happened in Columbus uh, after the game to, I mean, yeah, I just, now, you know. Now, Kent, you're, you're a faithful Ohio State fan. So what are your feelings on Urban Meyer, the football coach? I'm all the way out. Okay. <laughs> All the way out. <laughs> I just didn't know he returned you guys to the glory land. I didn't know if, you know, you still thought there was hope of him as a coach. No. At the college level. I don't think there's anything redeeming about him as a person. I wouldn't want to be led by him. So I don't know why I would want my, I wouldn't want my kid to be coached by him. So, uh, Matt K, why is the run game str- struggling, Maddie? Uh, oh, God. This is a long one. So the Chiefs. Their run game right now, it centers around their zone running game. They like Andy Reid wants to run outside zone or Andy Heck wants to run outside zone. They've tried to force that on every kind of iteration of offensive line and running back they've had since they've got to Kansas City. Like That is where they want to be. I think in recent years, they've realized that that might not work as well with the personnel that they have. With Patrick Mahomes being the quarterback, it's probably a little bit better to run more inside zone. You've seen split zone come up, but it's still all these zone concepts. We all thought this year that they were going to kind of transition to this gap or man heavier have at points of time, but they're kind of using those as off-speed pitches. So it just seems like their run game is still very predictable. They can only really run out of certain formations because they want to keep Travis Kelsey on the field. They want to keep him as a detached tight end. So whether he's split out wide or off the line of scrimmage, there's only so many runs you can get to out of that formation offenses know when it's or defenses know when it's coming so they can slant their defensive line they can make some scrape exchanges and just kind of tie up all the stuff at the line of scrimmage so like from a schematic standpoint there's a bunch of reasons how their run game is very predictable they're maybe not playing into each individual player's kind of best attribute as a run blocker or an actual runner but i think at the end of the day it's hard to get into a rhythm running the ball with Andy Reid as your head coach and Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback because you want to put the ball in the air. That's where the offense is at its best. So it's really hard to establish the run when you still know the most dangerous play you can make is through your quarterback, when your head coach thinks that way, when your quarterback thinks that way. It's really hard to just sit there and gear down and do heavy personnel and pound the rock, so to speak. All right, Grayson asks, who won the Bashad Breeland mike Hughes swap, Greg? Oh, man, that, that's actually a really good question. Mike Hughes is obviously coming along over the past couple of weeks. He's looked pretty good filling in. He was a little bit rough to start the season. Bashad Breeland has played a lot more snaps for the Minnesota Vikings, but him getting cut, you know, due to an apparent you know, disagreement with the team. Honestly, I, I think if Bashad Breeland was here in the Mike Hughes role, it would have been a very similar output. Like, I think it would have been fairly equivalent. I think Steve Spagnolo knows his cornerbacks and how to use them a little bit better than maybe the Viking staff has over the past little while here. We've seen a bunch of guys come out of Minnesota and be a lot better outside of that system. Bashad Breland had to run with a whole bunch of guys without safety help over the top. And Steve Spagnuolo knew that that wasn't the case, didn't put him in his best chance to succeed. So I think, honestly, it ends up being Hughes, but I think it's more about the scheme because I think Bashad Breeland would have been equivalent to maybe even better than Hughes you know, throughout the course of the year. All right, Azuri Gunner asked, what is the best Chiefs-themed Christmas gift you've ever given or received? 
Oh man. Starter jacket as a kid. Like I, I know that year. I don't remember what the age was, but like everyone knows that starter jacket and like mm-hmm. almost everyone had that one. And I was in Des Moines one year when I got that one, my mom, the house, my mom grew up in it. I remember coming down the stairs and uh, seeing it there. Cause it was like unwrapped and it was like one of those, it was from Santa. So, <laughs> I was hyped. That was a good one. Uh, I'm going to stick with the same concept of being like an article of clothing while I was a kid, but I didn't appreciate it at the time. Uh, Chiefs Zuba's pants, those really baggy <laughs> MC Hammer zebra stripe type pants, but in Chiefs colors with the logo, I had them and I got them for Christmas and I had them when I was like eight to 12. I've looked for them. Yeah, that print. I've looked for them as an adult numerous times and they're always so expensive on eBay. So uh, I got those as a Christmas gift as a kid. And I was super happy. I wish somebody would give them to me now. I just can't find them anywhere. It was in 2010. I got a Derek Johnson jersey and two tickets to the Kansas City Chiefs week 17 matchup against the Oakland Raiders. The Chiefs were playoff bound at that point. They got shellacked by the Raiders <laughs> and then got smoked in the playoffs by the Ravens. Not a great game to go to, but I got a DJ jersey out of it. And yeah, now, I, Whenever I, now, I, get, to, now I you use, get to work with him. Yeah. Whenever I've used the analogy of we're just happy to be here. I talk about the Chiefs in the playoff game in 2010. It's like yeah. we weren't winning that game. Like we're just happy mm-hmm. to be here. We kept it close no. in the first half. Yeah. And that was it. That game was gross. Uh, so I got these little action figures, like these little miniature Chiefs football player action figures, and one of them was a Kimball Anders uh, action figure. And I kind of it was special to me. Like they, they were all special to me, but then like one of it, the Kimball Anders one became more special to me because he was one of my coaches my freshman year at Mid America Naz, and I was I like I was pretty shell shocked or like I was just you know happy to be there. <laughs> When you know, like uh, for the first couple, you know, weeks with him, so I was like, dude, I had your action figure and now you're coaching me. Like, this is this is kind of surreal. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Uh, Isaac Hugh, would you want to see the Chargers Chiefs round three in the playoffs? Yes, I would. I am here for that matchup. Uh, I am not as afraid of the Chargers as I am some of the other teams, which is actually one of the other questions that I wanted to ask Maddie. Maddie J asks, which teams do we match up with the best in the AFC to get back to the Super Bowl? Well, I think I think everybody should answer this one. They should just give us one that you think they match up well with and one they don't. So I'm going to say well with. I, I think the Chiefs should want to play the New England Patriots. Um, I do think the Patriots defense is really good and they can present some problems, but I don't trust that offense to score enough points to beat the Chiefs the way they're playing right now. I really don't think that the, that defense has the same level of talent that they've had over the recent years. So that's a good one. I don't want to see the Chargers again as a Chiefs fan. I think that team can beat the Chiefs. I think they are the one team in the AFC that has a quarterback that can go toe to toe with them. So please, no, give anybody else besides the Chargers. Ooh. Did you say, did you say, what, do you want everybody else to go through and run these? If you guys got one quickly, yeah. If you got somebody in your mind that pops out, I, I'll go because I don't want to play the Bills. I don't, I, I'm still like, they're the team I'm the most afraid of. Like, I know they're not playing well right now. I, they're the team I'm the most scared of. Um, I am, yeah, I, I think it's the Patriots I'd rather play. Like, I think that's the yeah. team I'd rather go up against. It's only the teams that have quarterbacks that have the ability at their best to go up and play at that level. And Josh Allen and Justin Herbert do. And I don't think there's another quarterback in the AFC. Like, Mac Jones can be a good player. Ryan Tannehill could be a good player, but nobody's terrified of the Titans or scared of the Ravens, With even with Lamar. Like, it's just a different feel when Josh Allen can go back there if he's on and throw it all over the field and put up points. So Justin Herbert can do it too. I I think I would much rather play the Browns, who are currently on the outside <laughs> looking in, but if they beat the Raiders, they, they are leading the division. I fully expect... You know, several hours after this comes out that they will be you know in the playoffs here so i'd like to play the browns i think that team is just one matchstick away from it collapsing around them in a given game and then just to be different because i do fear the chargers i'm a little afraid of the colts they Ooh. force a lot of turnovers That's they a good run one. the ball ridiculously well like those are the two kind of kryptonites that we've seen at times you know against the chiefs I don't trust Carson Wentz. I don't think that Carson Wentz can come out and really throw the ball <laughs> over the yard. Don't get me wrong, but they're There's also no not the afraid. Chiefs lose to 57 passing yards. I, yeah, <laughs> it's not, yeah. I mean, but I'm just saying they might hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor 53 times at 5.5 yards a clip. And, you know, Chiefs would be behind the sticks the entire time. And then Darius Leonard's on the other side of the ball. So, yikes. Andy Nagel, who do the Chief fans miss more? Chris Jones, Willie Gay, or Legarius Sneed? All right, no no offense to Legarius, but I'm throwing him aside on that. He would have made an impact in certain plays. Don't get me wrong. He, he would have. I think it comes down to Jones or Gay. I think Willie Gay sneakily is the most important, just because not just because of what he can do with his athleticism, but the way that he can take away throwing lines. We've seen him jump a bunch of those, and Justin Herbert, missing some weapons, you know, relying on quick passing game with a bad offensive line. They needed somebody to be able to fill those throwing lanes. They attacked the Chiefs linebackers in that way. Willie Gay erases some of those. But that being said, Chris Jones makes a big difference stopping the run. And I know we talk about Chris Jones not being 
consistent against the run. You know, when we do our thing with Mike DeVito and Derek Johnson during the week, those guys even say it as well. You know, it's like, ooh, that's that's risky, but it's Chris. You know, like that's <laughs> they they know they know it's there. But the difference is when you have those other guys in there, you expect it to be consistent and that they don't get blown off the ball. They did. And so Chris Jones being able to make one or two splash plays to get that defense ahead of the sticks makes so much of a difference. It doesn't matter if he's getting washed out the other 15 plays against the run. If he gets them ahead of the sticks twice, that game looks a lot different. Those drives look a lot different. It's the argument for why you're okay with Chris Jones maybe being out of his gap on occasion. I think he would have made a massive difference in styming some of those drives. Get into the dime defense where we know that Spagnuolo is at his best. So I, I, they just weren't able to do that. I think Chris Jones allows him to do that. JTF or JTF asks, does having the buy make the team more complacent? Do you think they maintain their laser focus? Oh, that's right. I thought you were going to say my name. Uh, I don't think it depends on how they utilize the time. I mean, I know it's like a wet blanket way of answering it, but anytime it comes down to if it's an organizational best use of time type of situation, then I'm going to trust that Andy Reid has that down. There's nobody who's more organized or more prepared for different situations than Andy Reid. Now, could there be paralysis by analysis sometimes? You give him too much time? Like, maybe. But when it comes down to things like this, like I'm never going to be worried about these guys taking too much time. We'd say the same thing if they didn't get the buy and some player got hurt in the wild card round. And we'd say, we wish we didn't play in this game and we're going to overanalyze these guys sitting on their couches. Like I want Travis, I want Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes sitting on their couch watching the game. Yeah. And we could debate whether or not they're focused or not while they're playing video game, like whatever they're not. I don't care what For they're two doing. Two weeks, preferably yeah. week 18 yeah. and the buy. Why not? Yeah, just give them all that time off. It, could the timing be off with some of the routes and that stuff? Maybe you can do that, but like how long would it take for him to fall back into sync at this point? And I don't think the risk of those guys getting injured is worth the hypothetical of timing. And so I'm never going to be worried about their focus uh, with Andy Reid outside of a situation like we saw before the Super Bowl last year. And then you just can't control anything. But outside of stuff like that, these guys are focused. They know what they're supposed to do. And that's why you, Praise leadership and all that kind of stuff because these are the situations in which it matters. These guys know how to handle themselves. They know how to use that time. Um, you can't say that about every team, but I'm not worried about it with this with these guys. I thought you were going to go into a fairway independent mortgage read for a second there. Um, I I was kind of curious, BJ, just because like you know, I mean, you've actually been in the locker room for, you know, you've been you've been in that building for games where they're building up to a you know, that they've got to buy building up to the playoffs, you know, their days, their days are so organized and they they're always working on stuff. So any of the thinking they're just sitting around, like having these big discussions and messing around, like they're going from meeting to meeting and they are so locked in on their preparation and making sure they're prepared for their next meeting with their coach. So if they get called on, they have the answer to that question. Those are the dynamics inside the room. It's not where a bunch of professionals just trying like these guys are trying to make sure they show their teammates and their coaches they're prepared and they have it set up to where they have to be prepared to go into that next meeting to answer their questions. And Patrick Mahomes is doing everything like he saw Alex Smith do a day early. He's going to practice scripts the day before. So when he get out, he gets out there the next day. He knows every rep and everything that they're doing because he worked on it the day before. So everything is smooth when your quarterback knows what he's doing. And so when it, that kind of stuff, yeah, I, I don't know all the guys. And I don't, 
you know, it was a couple of years ago now, but when it comes to the way that they prepare, the way that they treat their craft, I mean, these guys are professional. These guys would be playing football if they didn't get paid to play football. A lot of them that are in that room, that's why they're on that team. Uh, Andy Reid, Tyron Matthew, those guys, they'd be, they'd be doing this regardless. Uh, Anti-law lawyer uh, asks, on defense, is it better to lose a top-tier player from each unit or just get complete, completely decimated on one? Which I think probably is because of Willie Gay, Jerry Steve, and Chris Jones. I think I think it's I think it's I think it's probably better to lose one player at each level because I think like the way like if you lost your entire secondary and you're rolling out four DiCaprio Boodles and no offense to four DiCaprio Boodles, um, but I think like that's more difficult to you know to mask because I know like. One of my co- one of my coach uh, in college, you kind of talk about like in the NFL, it's if your second third, if your if your second corner has to become your your top corner and your third corner becomes your second, your fourth becomes your third, like you just go pick on the fourth corner all day. What if they're all the fourth corner, you know, or or whatever? Like I think that's like I think if it was like the secondary, maybe the linebackers is the one position like I would you, know, you might be able to get away with in some of this, but. I just I couldn't imagine just being without an entire pass rush or being at, without an entire back four. Maddie looks like he's ready to jump in here though. Like he has like you look like you had a take. Did you not? No, not really. He uh, looks. <laughs> oh, go ahead, BJ. I'd say he looks like he's about to bust out of his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it is a snug shirt. This this was from when the Royals won the World Series, so you know it's, it's a little ways back. It's a little tight. Uh, my own, the only point of contention would be like, yeah, if we're talking losing every corner and safety, then obviously. But if you're talking just losing your three safeties that play or just your corners that play, like I think I would stick with one yeah. position. But if you start combining, you know, defensive end and defensive tackle together, then yeah, I'd, I'd fully be on board with that. Yeah, I, I mean, think maybe maybe I looked at it wrong. What'd you say, Craig? Last year, the Chiefs lost their like three rotational linebackers near the end of the year. Anthony Hitchens was banged up. Damian Wilson was hurt, and Willie Gay was hurt. And Ben Neiman was ailing too. Like they they were deep into some rotation there with Amari linebackers. Cobb. Yeah, Amari Cobb. Yeah, Darius, Darius yeah, Harris playing the mic. Yeah. I, I think as a defensive coordinator, you can attempt to scheme up ways to protect a singular unit if it's that bad. Like, if you know it's going to be that bad, you can scheme up ways to protect your linebackers or the pass rush from your defensive ends. If every unit needs help, though, if because you are playing a not good player on every unit or you don't have the players that are good enough to cover for other guys are all gone, then I think it kind of becomes hard to add help anywhere. So, like, I guess it depends on how complete your team is anyway to start with. But a top-heavy team, kind of like the Chiefs might be at some positions, I think it does get really hard when you start losing some of those top-end guys. <laughs> and it wasn't, like, overly pretty <laughs> without top guys at each level of the defense last week. Uh, Mike in Sweden, uh, can this offense be productive against cover two, Matthew? Um, yes and no. So um, they can be, they can't, anybody can be productive against cover two. It's not like some kind of super secret card that you play to win the football game. Uh, the Chiefs offense, I don't think will ever be great against cover two, but they've done enough stuff these re- in the recent weeks. They've been good enough against cover two to pull teams out of it. There's a reason that, yes, I know everybody likes to clown on the Raiders, but there's a reason the Cowboys and the Broncos 
and the Chargers didn't live in cover two against the Chiefs because the Chiefs have done things to force them to get out of it. Heavier personnel. They've started attacking, you know, shallow crossers a lot more, getting the screen game more involved. They're doing stuff to get team doing stuff well enough to get teams out of cover two. So that is success in itself. I don't think they're going to put up 40 points a game if a team just decides to play cover two the whole time. There's still some timing issues. There's still some inconsistencies with play calling, but they've been a lot better down the stretch. I think you're seeing defenses kind of react to that as we keep going. All right, just DRK. Chances that the Chiefs lose Eric Bieniemy and Mike Kafka and the chances they make a play for a pass-happy Joe Brady. All right, 0% on losing Bieniemy and Kafka. Um, I, I could see one of those guys getting a job, don't get me wrong, and both of them are deserving of a promotion, but I I think the Chiefs have been angling for a little while now here to try and get Eric Bieniemy a head coaching job around the league, and the Jaguars would be wise to maybe go the opposite of Urban Meyer with a guy like Eric Bieniemy here. But that would mean that Eric, that Kafka would get promoted to offensive coordinator. I think that's what the Chiefs want. Like I I do. I, I think they've got this structure set up to where they want Kafka to be the next guy. And then naturally he's going to be the next guy to get a head coaching job. And that's when a guy like Greg Lewis gets promoted, a guy that's getting experience in several different things. So Andy Reid always has this pipeline. He's always building it. It's not that Eric Bieniemy is stopping that pipeline from continuing or anything like that. They're just building back up behind him. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that they will keep one of those guys it just remains to be seen which one gets the job all right wes asks this has been a very good weekend are you drinking or doing anything to celebrate bjn i think that could be chiefs related <laughs> or kcsn related for you so that's why i wanted to ask you i went out and had got crazy with the wife earlier and we went out to lunch had a drink uh wife oh. had a couple yeah Beat. crazy uh so we were watching the second half of the uh the titans game the titan steelers game but uh yeah i think it'll probably be more celebrating uh in about six weeks uh when we're in las vegas i think it's probably gonna be more what it is when it becomes and all this becomes a little more real i think we i think all of us kind of feel like we're too busy worrying about doing the next good thing than we are what we've already done and don't feel like we've done anything so it feels weird when people say congratulations on twitter and stuff but I feel like we're doing in the right space so uh, yeah, I will be celebrating, but I'm going to wait to do that uh, in Las Vegas with some other people. All right, Andy Nagel, who is your favorite announcing team to have announced Chiefs games? I, I kind of want to know all of yours. Mine's, I think I like Romo and Nance. I'm a Romo and Nance guy. I like Tony. The only thing I don't like about the CBS I've told you guys is like the haunting music. <laughs> like, that seems to play when the Chiefs are down by two scores at all times, and it just gives me anxiety. Uh, Maddie, do you have a favorite announcer team? I don't know if I have a favorite one. I don't know if I like a lot of them. Uh, Chris Collinsworth just generally annoys me. So does Troy Aikman. I think Troy Aikman is very rough at it. I like Tony Romo and Jim Nance. I think that's a great team, but CBS is the worst three plays. Like, the absolute worst of three plays. Like, I hate getting CBS on the TV. I never see anything that happens ever again. It doesn't happen. So, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite. I like those two guys the best. Oh, what's up, BJ? What's up? I, I want BJ to get in on this. <laughs> BJ's, BJ's the producer for the Chiefs preseason broadcast crew is the lead replay op for the Tony Romo Jim Nance crew. 
So I give you his phone number and we can talk about these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can talk about this because every time I get a Chiefs game out here, man, if it's CBS, like I have to just go back and I have to wait to catch the replay once Game Pass finally starts to work. Whereas I get Fox, they show me like 13 views of just the just the two yard run. <laughs> okay. You get the you get Fox, you get Jordan Love's parent, like girlfriend and mom. Yeah, like, you do. Get that too. Well. You won't see that from CBS. That's, That's fair. That was yeah. BJ, who's your favorite broadcast group? I like I like Tony, and I like uh, I've learned some of the background that he's not trying to be a professional broadcaster necessarily. He's just trying to explain the game. So I like it when he kind of goes off the cuff. Um, it may drive you know people on that crew crazy, just talking like into commercial breaks and some of those things that like professional broadcasters kind of not do. And he's gotten a lot better at that at that kind of stuff. But I love listening to Tony, and I know he gets a lot of crap on social media um and maybe i'm completely biased here but charles davis like is one of like the three nicest people i have ever met in sports media and he gets a lot of crap uh on social media i've seen it lately yeah. so i don't know what don't it's from it. i don't know what it's from or if he just rambling like i don't know but uh i love charles and he's one of my favorite people so putting that out there too me it's peyton and eli I don't. I don't care that they just. Started. Oh, I was gonna. Come, I was gonna come oh, back in with that. I. I, I was gonna come back in at the crap. end of that. So that's. Listen, the, that is the. Answer. And it's not even like I, I could just listen to those two guys do it without a guest the entire game. Like I really could. Yeah, they don't. It, they don't. It is fun. They don't yeah. need to add all these people. I just want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear them nerd out because, like, basically, like the, the the best parts of it are when they're just nerding out, and I don't really care what Kid Rock has to say. No, no, the best part of it is when a quarterback makes a mistake and Peyton surrender Cobras. He just it happens like <laughs> eighteen times a game. It's wonderful. I love it. I want to give a shout out to uh, Burkhart and Greg Olson. Greg Olson's been really Ooh. good for a guy getting in the booth too. I, he's kind of he's close to what Tony Romo was his first year. It's just he plays tight ends, so people don't give it as much credit. But yeah, those those guys are good too. Akeem too. Mm. Akeem's yeah. awesome. <laughs> he is. He is. I mean, the Manning cast is the correct answer. I just wanted to come back and get it at the end, and I should have known that Craig, the great one, was going to come out with it. Craig is great. There's like a whole BJ. I don't know if you know this. There's a whole Discord channel devoted to Craig being great. It's just called Craig is great. I think and it's our most just... active Discord channel too. <laughs> I can't wait now that I get to dive more into this with this Blue Wire deal. That that's really what this is about. Is now I can spend more time on the Discord and I can spend more time <laughs> doing a lot of these things that we've been talking about for months. And now it's it's set up that way. And I I will fucking lead the Craig is great Discord channel. Like, it's. We will, have graphics made. we will have graphics look out, made. We will have graphics made. Videos <laughs> made. His face is about as I red as his muted. shirt right now. <laughs> I have it muted. I don't look at it. I should, we should you start all a new are wonderful every people. Day. We should start a new channel every day. Yeah, just start a new one. Just keep stacking them on top of each other. All right, Grayson asks, what does Daryl's uh, Daryl Williams' contract looks like look like next year? And will it be with the Chiefs, Maddie? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy about contract stuff. I, I don't understand the numbers of where they come from in contracts. I can just tell you, like, you know, who I think is better than somebody and what they make. So looking at running back contracts, I just think it would be hard for Daryl Williams to get, you know, much more than three and a half million per year. That's putting him like where with uh, what Philip Lindsay just signed a little bit more than Jamal Williams at the Lions. And like, I feel like that's probably about where he should be in terms of what team's going to pay him. 
Uh, the problem is that makes him the highest paid running back with the Chiefs. And I don't know if they are going to do that to Clyde O'Dellaire, given that kind of rotation. I also don't know if Daryl Williams will take less. He probably might want to be a running back one somewhere. So it depends on how much he wants. But I don't think it'll be with the Chiefs. I think it'll be in that three to three and a half million range. So I think another team or he will want to seek out the ability to be a true starting running back would be my guess. Dude, the Chiefs are getting so many compensatory picks. This is a it's a roster composition thing too because I don't know if the the ego part of it I don't think they would mind Clyde not necessarily being the highest paid because he's on a rookie deal I don't think those dynamics play quite that way because he looks up to Daryl in that locker room in that way and if there's a player I could ever see and we've said this before no players ever take pay cuts but if you look at Daryl's history of why he makes certain decisions even going back to where he went to college why he came to the Chiefs when they were absolutely loaded at running back and he was projected by many as like a mid-round pick goes undrafted and then chooses a place that at that time was loaded at running back so he chose and he's made decisions based on comfortability and wanting to be in a good spot so if it was a Spencer Ware Sharkandrick West do you remember that when they signed the exact same deal which I don't know if that's ever happened or been discussed enough (laughs) just from like a nerdy contract two players in the same room getting the exact same I think it was like three years like nine million ish uh, around that I think it's if your starting running back gets hurt, he steps up. He's the guy. You're not overpaying him. And if he's not your starting running back, you pay him as a solid special teamer. And around $3 million isn't bad for that. It was like the Daniel Sorensen initial contract at four years, $16 million, where it was like you're paying him as a top special teams guy. And if he has to start because injuries, fine. Mm-hmm. But I see the same thing with Daryl, to your point, Matt, that could he get like a three-year, $8 million, $9 million offer? from the chiefs to be like a core special teams guy and stay there maybe, but somebody could some, another team probably entice him with a little bit more money uh, to go away and do that. And then you have to ask yourself, is it better just to draft a guy um, than bring in, pay that same amount of money to somebody else who doesn't know your system, who doesn't know all of those things. Well, like that's a, like, unless that's it's going to be, De- unless it's Dearness Johnson, then you just pay him. <laughs> That's true. You definitely just you definitely just pay Dearness. I think that's the next issue. Like the hurdle here is are the Chiefs happy with their running back room? Like, are they happy with just the guys they have or will they want to improve? Because if they want to improve, it will be hard to pay, you know, Daryl Williams roughly that amount of money that we're thinking here, as well as go draft somebody in the top, you know, three rounds or sign another free agent for roughly that same amount. So you got to see how happy they are in the room too. Cause I mean that's the three million is not chump change for a running back. Like that puts you pretty squarely in the top. 15 to 20 for a running back in the entire NFL. Like that's about what good ones get paid. So it's just, it's what kind of investment do they want to put in that position from where they stand? All right. Rugby Fox. Last question. Who pranced into the end zone better dirty Dan or Travis Kelsey's imitation of dirty Dan? Listen, dirty Dan had the toe drag. You could see the beads coming off of the turf. His was infinitely better. Also, Travis Kelsey couldn't have done that. He might have gotten caught, and so he couldn't have managed that. But Dirty Dan's was significantly better. It, it Bigger swings and everything. Like, the whole thing was just perfection. And coming from the defensive side, obviously, Dirty Dan's was way better. I've, re- I've rewatched that a couple times now, and like it was like a little too close for comfort with the whole high step thing with Kelsey like on, on some of the angles I'm like wasn't that far away all right <laughs> it's not even close though it is dirty Dan because no one expected D- dirty Dan doing you know, the like, Dion on like a touchdown it's like Dan doing the too smart 
Listen. He was like, the, I am too smart. I will hold my finger on my temple. <laughs> He's like, I just think the next KCSN challenge has to be all of us, you know, coming up with our own version of that celebration and seeing who does it best, decided oh. by the Discord Ooh. and the Craig is Great channel. If only you there try. was a place where the weather could be nice that we would all be together on a football <laughs> field in the next few weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so like, I got to schedule a doctor's appointment for when I inevitably tear my ACL trying to do this. Is that what you guys are trying to get? We'll bring Aaron Borgman with us. Perfect. <laughs> Never mind. I'm in. <laughs> this is a great. golfing partner slash. This is perfect. Yeah. This is all working out together. This well, is this is going great. We'll ask. We'll talk to Aaron. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for 21 questions. We a- we answered a few extra, too, today. Thank you guys so much for all you're doing to support KC Sports Network. We really appreciate you. Uh, and uh, we're going to continue to answer your questions because you're asking. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.